0: You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are
1: on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday afternoon as we head to the end of the work week, the end of your work day. Thank you for joining us on the line. We got to have Brian Harson with a press conference today, media availability, and he announced most recently now the last hire. On Auburn's coaching staff Burt Watts to be the outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator fulfilling two positions that were left to be filled which means no Travis Williams just like we expected Levi how you doing today my man
2: doing good doing good to be here in the studio with you even though the weather not the greatest out here not the greatest out here today but we're in here we're trying to bring some fire we're trying to brighten up this dreary day that we have going on outside we got a lot of sports to talk about and yeah you you hit it right on the head this This means that no Travis Williams is coming back. We really saw this coming from you know from the get go. We always said that if he was going to bring him back, he probably would have done it earlier on. and the whole outside linebacker's kind of pipe dream that was had really seemed more like a fallacy because it seemed like a step down from his previous role as coach of all the linebackers and again, a lot of Auburn fans are going to be really upset about this. They really want him to come back. We we got to see what it is. We got to see what Burt Watts is going to bring to the table. And again, just for Auburn fans, try to keep up the expectations. This is a new coaching staff outside of one coach that was retained. So it wasn't really a Travis Williams thing. It really just seemed like they wanted to clean house for the most part.
1: I would assume that most people do not know who Burt Watts is. And looking at his track record now, and I, I it seems to me that the way that the two – know each other is because Brian Harson coached against him in the Mountain West when he was a defensive coordinator at Fresno State and had some solid defenses at Fresno State as a defensive coordinator but his most recent stop is this past season as linebackers coach at Memphis so brief stint here in a relatively southeastern program I mean it's a southeastern program but it's not in that same pipeline in that same vein that maybe Auburn and some of these other deep Southeastern teams are. Memphis was his most recent stop, and then he was three seasons before that at Fresno State, where he had two of them as defensive coordinator. I'll look at some of those stats for him. As defensive coordinator at Fresno State in 2018, Fresno State held opponents to 14.1 points per game. And then uh, that, that was also a year where they finished top 10 in the FBS in red zone defense. They actually finished first overall. So he had a really solid defense in two thousand eighteen at Fresno State. He he's got the experience at a at a, at least a defensive coordinator like role. So he so he's got he's got a lot of knowledge to bring those linebackers. But I know a lot of folks out there are wondering and are probably having the same type of reaction that I did when I saw this hire announced. This over Travis Williams.
2: Interesting. It's it is really interesting. Maybe it was more. Maybe it was more of a Travis Williams thing, maybe Travis Williams did not want to come back under this coaching regime, so it's it, there's a lot there's no to, way to know there's there is no way to know um it is a i i I don't think it's a bad hire. I don't think it's a terrible hire, but it's not the one that the fans wanted. It's definitely not the one the fans wanted by a by a long shot like it's not even close that's this is almost the opposite. It's like complete opposite of what they wanted. They wanted Travis Williams, and they brought in a guy from memphis with west coast connections somebody who does not hit home for auburn fans i still think it will work out i like the the fact the optimism i I, i'm trying to say i I always try to say i always try to say optimistic and again uh there's three guys on this defensive staff that are former defensive coordinators i mean you have Derek mason the actual defensive coordinator jeff schmetting and burt watts who have all been defensive coordinators at one point and I think that is a really good that's a really good thing from a leadership standpoint where it's it's not all on Derek Mason you have guys who have been in that role and know really how to command an entire defense not just the position group that they're coaching so I think that's I think that's a good thing I think it's a good thing uh, for Auburn fans to you know when they're looking a little disappointed in this hire I think this is something that does bring a little bit of light and again just Try to temper the expectations. Try to be optimistic. You know, don't jump off just because it's not the guy you wanted. But I think it's
1: okay for Auburn fans maybe to have expected a little bit more out of some of the hires recently that have came about. This one kind of feels like it's off the wall. Maybe, maybe I've just reached the end of this coaching staff and all of the <laughs> hires that have been made. And I'm looking back and I'm like, man, Auburn went from Mike Bobo and Derek Mason to Burt Watts nothing against Burt Watts it just once again seems like it's coming out of parts unknown which with defensive coordinator experience at Fresno State it, it, that, that is beneficial he, he had a successful stint at Fresno State this past year at Memphis some statistics for that Memphis defense that we've got for you the, the defense was was a top 20 it was top 20 nationally in red zone defense turnovers gained and fumbles recovered how much of that though goes on top of how how much of that is Burt watts responsible for right it's like of course that's going to be promotional material for the hire to say yeah this guy that this guy was a part of a defense that that was relatively su- or was pretty successful and memphis has been a a better known program i think of the american athletic conference in recent years than what they were well before that in, in their history as a conference usa and then maybe even a sunbelt program if i remember correctly but that's going way back well, well before the justin 20 years at memphis a quote here from Brian Harson about the new hire, quote, I coached against him during his time at Fresno State, and I always had a tremendous amount of respect for his coaching style and abilities. Burt's players have always been very well prepared, disciplined, and executed at a high level, which I think that quote embodies what this hiring process has been like for a lot of the position groups, it's been about culture, not necessarily the resume. Of course, the resume has been good at some of these lower tier conferences for these guys hired. Like Cordelis Williams has a, has a stout resume just from the Sun Belt, right? 14 all sunbelt Belt selections that he's coached is impressive. Uh, Will Friends got a nice resume. Now he's got an SEC resume, so probably not the best example. Schmetting had a good resume at Boise State. There have been other guys that have had Good resumes that they've hired, just the question mark about them is will it translate to the SEC? And looking at Burt Watts, there's no way to know that. And there's no way to know that with any of these guys until we get through one or two years of these guys being on campus and seeing what they can do with it. Burt Watts, what we do know is he's walking into a room that has a talented group of linebackers, a former five star and Owen Papo. He's got Jacoby McLean as well, who's playing like he was a five-star out of high school. He's got T.D. Moultrie, who was a high four-star inside linebacker recruit that for some reason Auburn decided to move to defensive end. And now he's got Chandler Wooten coming in as well with tons of experience, despite the fact that he was a three-star, tons of experience to bring with him. I think there's going to be a little bit of a re period to Chandler Wooten coming back to football after having missed it for a year, but he's walking into a room that has some talented linebackers. The thing is, he's not the linebackers coach. He's the outside linebackers coach, and I'm curious which ones of that group, or possibly even if there are defensive linemen that will move back to that group, that he will be coaching at outside linebacker.
2: I also want to know how that dynamic is going to work. Like, How is that going to work with between the two coaches in general? Just a position that, almost usually has just one guy over linebackers right. in total. And now you're splitting. It's almost like you're splitting hairs in a sense and really dividing up that group. And I want to see how that dynamic works for coaches. And again, for the players, which group ends up being the better group for Auburn? Will we see a drastic difference of outside linebacker production and inside linebacker production? Well,
1: Brian Harson is a titles guy and you look at the people he he has very strictly outlined positions and what people are doing and what they're responsible for like this group is responsible for this this guy this this is what he brings to the table he's been very specific on what these guys bring to the table when he hires them and he's all he's hiring them for sp- specific reasons as well you look at the guys that he's brought in they all fit his culture they all he's he, he constantly talks about it. he talked about it in his press conference today in terms of recruiting he, he talked about well right fit that's what we're looking for he was talking about recruiting today and saying that he was going to leave some spots open to, just he wasn't going to necessarily try and just go and fill everything on signing day or at least he was opening up the possibility that Auburn won't go and sign everybody or sign every position on signing day that they're going to leave that open for them to be able to recruit through beyond you know February 3rd when all those guys begin to ink deals and so, or not deals, uh, you know, they're a national letter ink, of intent. Yeah, ink, yeah.
2: ink intent.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Ink intent. This isn't Tennessee. Nobody's inking deals.
2: <laughs> oh, the shots are <laughs> fired today.
1: But and I'm, he, he's he's very specifically laid out things with his coaching staff, which is an indicator to me that since this position group was split in half, coming back to where I started this with, The fact that this position group, which is typically has one person over it, has now been split into half, means that the two positions are going to be coached differently. They're going to have different objectives. They're going to recruit different types of players at those positions. And that is an indicator to me that Auburn will be making a scheme shift to the 3-4 defense. Maybe I'm jumping the gun on that, but I think that this is an indicator that Auburn's going to be moving to the 3-4 and some of those outside, line, and those outside linebackers are going to play differently than inside linebackers. I mean, Auburn has specifically outlined on their defense inside linebackers, outside linebackers. I don't feel like that's as common when you're talking about 4-3 defenses as it might be if you're talking about 3-4 defenses or nobody runs a 4-4. Four, four. So it's more about or do you have three linebackers or four that they're coached differently.
2: I I agree with that. I think just the, the difference in the schemes and difference in the amount of linebackers both schemes produce, I think that's a very good point that it does really show that that's the defense that they're going to align with. And a lot of these hires that are being made and a lot of uh, what Coach Harson has talked about today, he spoke on a lot of the guys that were Auburn alums, Zach Etheridge, Carnell Williams, Tracy Rocker, and he talked about how important that was, and I really liked what he said about that, where Harson himself was a player-turned-coach, and he understands that passion that it brings to the table. And I I think a lot of what he has brought in has been guys who are passionate. They might have a little bit of a chip on on their shoulder. A lot of guys with experience, but not power five experience. You do have some guys with it, but a lot of guys with – yet to be seen what they can do but their resume is still impressive so you see a lot of those guys and then you bring in a lot of guys with a lot of passion a lot of fire like carnell like tracy rocker like zach Etheridge. so it really seems like there's this good blend here and he also noted on trying to find people with a lot of sec and southeastern ties as well which he did get a good bit of those guys as well i i don't know i like what i like what he said today i like his i like the message he's trying to convey. I think he's really trying to convey a strict, passionate, hard nosed culture for Auburn. You noted it. He's absolutely detailed, outlined what he wants defensive position by position. With super his coaches. detailed,
1: and it's hey. not just on defense too. I think I think it's everywhere in this program. There's a specific role for everything. And there's a, it is a very detail oriented program, and people are going to be responsible for their jobs. There's going to be accountability. That's the key word today and moving forward for Auburn. Accountability. accountability. But here's the other side of that. Gus Malzahn entered Auburn talking about accountability in his first year. It was all about accountability. And I get that. Every new coach, when they're coming in, that's going to be one of the first things that they're going to try and install and instill in these guys and in their players. That is what it's going to come down to is if, it, if, if it'll stay that way. If you will command the respect of your locker room for the entirety of your time there as head coach and your position group coaches, spend more time with the individual players as well. So it's even more important to get some of those coaches to be the right fits. It's even more
2: important. It's It's absolutely important. You have to, when you have a certain mindset and you have this outline and this blueprint that you want to run the program, you have to get guys that fit that. And that's... That's what this coaching search for all the coordinators and assistants has been about. It's been about really just getting guys with the same mindset who fit this scheme, this blueprint that he wants to do. It's the same with the players. It's more based off of he wants to bring in scheme-fit guys, guys who fit what Auburn's doing. And it's important because, again, you get somebody who doesn't fit right, it's not going to work. It's like putting a square – you know square uh, block in a round hole. You know, it just doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, it's not going to work when you have it this detailed out and this organized with what you want to do, what you expect to do. And again, we'll see if the accountability thing really, really holds true because with Coach Malzahn, it was about accountability early on, got kind of lost along the way. That's going to be a true test for his coaching staff as well to see if they can keep that accountability up.
1: I don't know if it got lost along the way. But I think Auburn's identity got lost along the way.
2: Uh, of course. I, I don't know yeah, if it, the, the it's identity, not like guys yes. were
1: getting in trouble. That's not what I meant by accountability. I mean, originally it, it was about accountability and just trying to get guys to do the right thing because there were some issues at the end of the previous coaching tenure before Malzahn. And, and I think, you know, you look, at, you look at what Malzahn brought. He brought stability right away to the program. But the issue is Auburn lost its identity along the way. And Brian Harson's also pr- trying to bring an identity to the program and being able to keep that throughout his time will also be an indicator of his success as a head coach at Auburn there's more stuff that Brian Harson got to in his press conference we'll talk about that as the show goes on today we'll have Nathan King of Auburn undercover joining us on the show later today we'll get some of his thoughts on what was talked about we'll also get some of his thoughts on basketball as well there's a packed show for you guys today no shortage of news on your Thursday afternoon stay with us on on the line You're on the live with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you, your thoughts on the higher at outside linebackers, coach and special teams coordinator, Burt Watts, coming from Memphis. Most recently, defensive coordinator at Fresno State three years before that. Some other things came out of that press conference with brian harson earlier today we'll continue to talk about that throughout the show we got nathan king coming up in a little under 10 minutes here on on the line we'll get some of his thoughts on what happened and what was talked about at the press conference so we'll we'll put a pin in it right now we'll switch gears to basketball auburn basketball falling to arkansas last night 75 73 and I, I feel like there there was something very key that arkansas did last night that for the future of Auburn's season going forward about how this team progresses it will be very key it will be very key how auburn responds to it if they will be successful in the upcoming just remainder of this month and remainder of this season arkansas put something on tape last night that was very concerning to me because auburn didn't respond to it last night bruce pearl was out coached last night and i and that is not a knock on bruce pearl that is not me saying that bruce pearl coached poorly last night. Bruce Pearl is coaching his tail off right now. He's doing a very good job. That is not, a, that's not an indictment on Bruce Pearl's coaching last night. That is praise to Eric Musselman at Arkansas for what he brought out at halftime. Not only did Arkansas begin to chisel into the 19-point lead just prior halftime, but in the halftime locker room, they made a key defensive adjustment that sent Auburn spiraling back into the dysfunctional team they were prior to Sharif Cooper, even with Sharif Cooper out there on the floor. They, on defense, what they did with, and, I, and I'm sure many people saw this, they had, had a jumping man at the top of the defense as Sharif Cooper is bringing it up the floor, which is intended to keep the ball in Sharif Cooper's hands to get him to cross half court where they eventually would double team him. Sharif Cooper, not the tallest point guard in the world. He's about, about six feet tall, tries to skip that over someone's head. Of course, he's able to make the pass, but what it's doing is it's slowing down Auburn's offense. On top of that, Arkansas is one of the longer teams defensively in this league, which is a big reason why they force so many turnovers against the teams they play against. That for Auburn having a lob a skip pass across the floor that fits right into what Arkansas is wanting to do defensively. And think about all the turnovers that they were able to force last night, 17 last night. That's only a two turnover improvement from Auburn's 19 several games ago against them to open up SEC play I went into the I went into the game yesterday talking on the show find the podcast wherever you get your podcast I said that it's an exorcism game for Auburn meaning Auburn's demon right now the the, the thing that is inside them that ruins them is turnovers and of course Auburn only lost the turnover battle yesterday by one but it's still that, that turnovers were the were the key thing and slowing down that Auburn offense and making them uncomfortable, making them dysfunctional again, Arkansas was able to do that. And understandably so, why Auburn didn't respond well to it, Bruce Pearl's in the huddle telling them how to handle that. He's seen it all before. The guy has, has, has many, many years of coaching experience. He is, it's not like he didn't address that probably in timeouts and in huddles with the team. It's that those guys out there, it was evidence that they had very little experience – with that type of defense and with that type of pressure being applied to them because they never they never responded properly for the rest of the game. Of course, defense turned to offense late when Auburn finally fell behind by eight, seven points, something like that. J.T. Thor got a steal and a bucket. And, of course, the defense stepped up in response in the second half. Of course, it was a much better defensive effort in the first half, but I think the defense is what kept Auburn in it last night 100% because that offense – uh, first half, second half, night and day difference. And that second half look, they looked as dysfunctional as they did before Sharif Cooper even stepped out there. And that's hard to believe because Sharif Cooper still had, what, 22, 25 points or something like that yesterday?
2: Yeah. He ended up with 25 at the end of the game. It's like, I mean, it's like you said, they, Muscleman made adjustments at halftime. He muscled them. He muscled them. He, he, he strong armed them. That's, I mean, that's what happened. It's plain and simple. Auburn came out played a very good first half and even towards the end of the first half Arkansas started chipping into it just a little bit but then they come out they make their adjustments and they they went in there and said you know what we're not going to let them get comfortable we're not going to let Sharif Cooper beat us and or set up an offense to have someone else beat us they're not going to let Sharif Cooper facilitate the game the way he does so well I'm in the half I'm shocked nobody then.
1: else has figured it out yet I'm I'm shocked it took this long not saying that I had thought about it of course I'm looking at it from a different angle obviously but I'm shocked nobody has done this yet to Auburn because you look at Auburn with Sharif Cooper versus Auburn without Sharif Cooper and it's like I said a night and day difference this Auburn team since they got Sharif Cooper onto the floor versus the Auburn team that had last lost to Ole Miss before the before the Iron Bowl of basketball.
2: It's also hard to it's also hard to stop him. I mean, it takes a good team to. He
1: still got his. He's still got, got twenty five points with the with the entire focus of the defense on him. It's that the guys around him did not respond well to him being to him being blanketed. And in some possessions, after the ball left his hand, it was not going back to Sharif Cooper. They tried to they ball denials. The it was not going back to Sharif Cooper if it left his hands yesterday. Arkansas put on tape yesterday how to beat
2: Auburn. That's that's how you do it, especially if, and you made a good point, if the ball leaves Sharif Cooper's hands, ball denial and don't let him get it back. They're, and it, it makes me really worry for an Auburn team if they can play a team that has at least one outstanding lockdown perimeter defender. You can see a team go into like a box and one type defense where you have one guy absolutely shadowing Sharif Cooper. Again, you have, to have a, you have to have an elite defender to do that and then drop you know the other four guys back in sort of a two two zone look because everybody else is they're not show, the rest of the Auburn team's not showing you anything right now. If you stop Sharif Cooper, the other guys have not earned your respect as of right now to to make them a threat.
1: Jalen Williams, one for five, only had two points. Alan Flanagan, seven points on two for seven shooting. Jamal Johnson was in foul trouble the whole game, but he was efficient. He was three for six from the field, two for three from three. He had nine points. He was really the the lone backcourt help for him. I mean, what a shot in the arm Javon Franklin was yesterday, though. But obviously, he he has been the last man off the bench for this Auburn team up to this point. Everybody else scored less than four points. I mean, Jt Thor had twelve, of course, but a lot of that was you know defense translating to offense. He, he was relatively efficient though, three for eight. This Auburn team, and and. It, it's not like I said I can't believe it took this long for teams to figure it out obviously we look at it from a different angle so I'm not going to sit here and say that it was obvious and not everybody has the length on defense like Arkansas has to be able to do it so well that's part of it Arkansas is yep. super long super tall super athletic they are able to do it so well and that was why it was just a seamless transition from first half to defense in that in that defensive adjustment that they made there there was it it was it was a flawless execution I felt like on the defensive end and Auburn still found a way to get 73 points and that's a huge testament to Sharif Cooper's abilities that he could not be stopped could not be stopped despite the fact that the entirety of the Arkansas defensive plan was focused on him and moving forward I don't know if we're gonna see other teams do exactly that with the jumping man at the top and what you're talking about with the with the boxing one. And I, I don't know if we're going to see teams do that because not every team in this league has the personnel. But teams are are going to get creative about how to keep the basketball out of Sharif Cooper's hands
2: once it leaves his hands. Just keep it away from him. Like after he gets rid of it, that's that's the tape. That is the way to beat, neutralize, whatever you want to say this Auburn offense. The second that ball gets away from him, don't let, it, don't let him get it back.
1: Until Justin Powell returns, which nobody knows when that's going to be. Still, head head you know, injuries he, are finicky. He's day-to-day, and it's obviously affecting him worse than it maybe it affects most people when you have concussions because it's been several weeks now for Justin Powell until Auburn gets another guy who is obviously comfortable moving the basketball and has great vision with it too because Justin Powell's had a nine-assist game as well this year he's been able to tally up the assist totals until Auburn gets another primary ball handler out there sorry Alan Flanagan is not a primary ball handler until that occurs I I think Auburn's going to have some trouble moving forward that this is this I don't think Auburn's about to revert completely back to the dysfunction that they had before Sharif Cooper because he's still out there and he's still going to get his and just you know a 20 point night for Sharif Cooper is going to be a huge shot in the arm for any Auburn team it's going to keep a minute but it's not going to look like it did before teams adjusted to this it it, and we made that point earlier when he first stepped on how long was it going to take people to adjust to it once they finally got film on this Auburn team we got Nathan King of Auburn Undercover joining us on the other side of this break stay with us
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. And joining Gus on the line now It's Nathan King of Auburn Undercover. Nathan, how you doing today, my man? What's up,
3: Noah? How are y'all?
1: Doing good? We are doing great and we hope you're having a great Thursday afternoon, too. And uh, no shortage of news today, no shortage of things to write about. Auburn's completed its staff. And that news came out while Brian Harson had his media availability earlier today. I'm sure you were tuned into that press conference, and uh, we want to get some of your thoughts on what happened. Of course, the, the headliner there, Bert Watts, named outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator. Talk to me a little bit about what Brian Harson had to say about this hire and, and kind of the logic behind this move because I know a lot of people were looking for Travis Williams here and and, and this guy's obviously not Travis Williams
3: right so this you know there was only one spot left but this you know eliminates the the three guys that um Burt Watts is now I guess taking over for you know Travis Williams a lot of people were hoping he would kind of slide into that outside linebacker's role after uh Boise State defensive coordinator Jeff Schmetting was hired Coach inside linebackers, and now also Al Pogue, who coached outside linebackers last season, is obviously not returning. And Larry Porter, who was the special teams coordinator last season, is not coming back. Um, there's kind of a theme you can you can sense here with Harson's defensive hires. Look, three of the five defensive assistants are former defensive coordinators, and Bert Watts is the latest. Obviously, you've got Schmetting who comes right over as Boise State's defensive coordinator under Harson, and then obviously Derek Mason was very successful. In that role at Stanford, Um, Burt Watts was very successful in his own right. Definitely one of the better defensive coaches um, in the group of five during his time at Fresno State. State, He spent three seasons as Fresno State's defensive coordinator, and particularly in 2017 and 18, kind of the the group kind of experienced a downswing in 2019, and that's why he wasn't retained by their new head coach. And he went and took the linebackers job at Memphis, but. In 17 and 18, they were top 10 both years in scoring defense and passing defense and total defense. In 2018, when the team went 12 and 2 and won the Mountain West over Harson Boise State Broncos, um, they had like the number three scoring defense in the country, the number two passing efficiency defense. I mean, he has a lot of really great. Uh, Harson called it, you know, a wealth of knowledge talking about all these different defensive coordinators. But they're going to be, you know, position coaches at Auburn. Even Derek Mason, the defense coordinator, is going to coach safeties. And so, obviously, Brian Harson sees a lot of value in that, having guys who, are, you know, before have coached every single position on the field and have had to have knowledge about every single position, sort of narrowing down their focus now and, um, you know, working with just one singular group
1: this might be the most diverse coaching staff I've ever seen at Auburn or, or really anywhere in the southeast when you're talking about where these guys come from, where where their locations were before they came to Auburn. I mean, they, these guys are coming from all over. Of course, nobody from the northeastern side of the country has joined the staff, but it's really been southeast and then west of the Mississippi. Do you think that was something that was done by design or just something that just kind of happened?
3: Yeah, you look at the blueprint of of Harson's staff here and um you've only got one retention from gus meldon's staff last year and that cadillac williams um two assistants were brought over by harson from boise state half of the staff was in the SEC last year that's kind of what you're talking about um that was certainly a big emphasis for him he's a guy who has never coached in the SEC before now football is football everywhere you go um but he's you know sort of had an emphasis on getting those guys in who understand the conference? Understand recruiting in the conference, um, and then three former Auburn players in, in Cadillac, Zach Etheridge, and Tracy Rocker. That's something that Harson talked about extensively today. Is having guys not only um, guys who just understand the program in and out, and, and you know love to be back at their alma mater, um, but also for recruiting purposes. I thought he kind of touched on something a little bit interesting. It's, you know, in recruiting, it's, it's one thing to be able to talk about you know, what it'll mean to be a player at a program. But he he saw value um, in having a guy like, let's say, Tracy Rocker. You know, he he can tell a recruit about what it's like to make a big defensive play in Jordan-Hare Stadium, you know, because he's done it himself. He's been on campus. He's been productive. He's been successful in the stadium. And so that's something that Harson. you know, I know a lot of people really wanted Travis Williams. And, you know, he was um, a great Auburn alum who was out there and, and available to be put back on the staff, and we don't really know what happened there, whether uh, T. Will had the opportunity to come back, whether he didn't. Um, But overall, I mean, regardless, uh, obviously Auburn fans are going to miss him a lot, but regardless, I think uh, this is the staff that is all Brian Harson's own. Nobody, you know, hamstrung him. You know, there's obviously only one retention from last year's staff, and uh, he went out there and he got the guys he wanted. And like you talked about, there's a very um, specific blueprint here that he went and uh, went after when he started making these hires.
2: Coach Harson announced today that Mike Bobo would be the one calling the plays on offense. What does that mean for Auburn's offense moving forward with Bobo calling the plays instead of Brian Harson?
3: Yeah, so that's that's a good question that we had been wondering for a while. And um, if I'm going to be honest, that's been my question both times we've gotten to talk to Brian Arson. And the first time they just straight up didn't get to my question. And then uh, this time somebody asked it for me. So I was like, okay, we finally know who the play <laughs> caller is going to be. Um, yeah, this, this isn't too much of a surprise. Now, I think last time I was on here, we did talk about how um, Auburn fans might get a little bit of PTSD whenever the play calling situation is brought up because Harson is a guy in the past He's a former offensive coordinator. He, he likes to call his own plays at Boise State. He did some. Um, sometimes he deferred who is offensive coordinator. Obviously, that sounds a little bit like Gus Malzahn's situation, but it sounds like, you know, from the get-go here at Auburn, um, there's no question about it. Mike Bobo is going to be the guy. Um, and Horson sees, again, he, he kind of sees value in that from being a guy who can um, be around every position during the week and sort of oversee things on both sides of the ball. But obviously, he is, you know, by by trade, he is an offensive guy. So he's going to be very involved over the course of the week, but he's got more things to worry about on game day. And so, you know, that's when having a guy like Mike Bobo, who's very experienced um, with not only uh, an offensive coordinator, but also a guy who um, is very good, you know, with quarterbacks, being a quarterback whisperer, some have called him. um, You know, it's good to have a guy like that in this situation. So Harson can just kind of focus on other things. So I I would expect, regardless of what happens during the season, um, you know, whether how how good or bad things go, I don't think Harson's going to, back away from this, I think he's definitely going to take a back seat and, uh, and let Bobo call the plays.
1: We're speaking with Nathan King of Auburn Undercover. Nathan, last night, Auburn basketball falling to Arkansas, 75-73 to 73 on the road. Auburn had as much as of a 19-point lead just prior to halftime, and we saw it slip away, but something we were just talking about on the show is it looked like Arkansas made one very finite, one very key adjustment on defense at halftime, and that was finding a way to double team and take the basketball out of Sharif Cooper's hands. Still found a way to get 25 points, but do you think that that, that that's a big deal that Arkansas put that on tape uh, of how to kind of defend this Sharif Cooper led Auburn basketball team? It's a
3: very big deal and I'll be interested to see what Bruce Pearl's perspective is of that tomorrow um, once you know the, the game has kind of had some more time to digest because I was surprised that after the game both Bruce and Sharif Cooper we were able to talk to both of them after the game and and they both said that that wasn't really something they expected um the, you know that they I guess they hadn't seen that you're talking about on tape um you know I don't know this for a fact but I, I guess maybe they hadn't seen Arkansas do that with other um good players maybe it wasn't something that they thought was in their defensive repertoire to be able to to execute double teams like that because I was impressed with the way they were able to do it, I, you know, a double team. Um, it's kind of easy in theory, but then you go out there and you're, you're a man short on defense if he's able to get the ball out of his hands. But Arkansas coach Eric Musselman said after the game that that was their game plan um, if things started to go badly with Cooper, which obviously he had a great first half, and they were able to slow him down in the second half. And Musselman also said that their plan was to take the ball out of the hands of Alan Flanagan. Um, obviously they didn't really have to do that too much. He had a lot of foul trouble. You know, he only played 24 minutes. But those are undoubtedly, you know, Auburn's with Justin Powell still out. Those are undoubtedly Auburn's two best offensive weapons and, and shot creators, whether it's by assists or whether it's by actually shooting the basketball. So I'll be, I would definitely expect South Carolina to do that. We know Frank Martin's teams are uh, are pesky on defense. I would absolutely expect them to do the same thing on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see how Auburn adjusts.
2: Do you think this imp- this loss in the way that they were able to neutralize Shreve Cooper? What's that impact over the next two games after South Carolina where you have Missouri and Baylor? Do you think those two teams can also try to limit Sharif Cooper with this blueprint that Arkansas laid out?
3: Yeah, I don't see why not, especially because those two teams, I mean, you just look at them on paper. I believe Missouri is still ranked um, right now. They're one of the best teams in the SEC this season. And then obviously Baylor, just straight up one of the best teams in the country. Um, So obviously a lot of that is going to come from there. Defensive success, yeah, again, I, it's, I don't know if I necessarily peg it as a concern for Auburn because it is just something that we saw in just one game, and, you know, we'll see. Bruce a great coach. He's shown that he can adjust over the years, um, and it's not the first time that somebody's tried to take away. It's not the first time he's had a great player, <laughs> you know, in the past few seasons. It's not the first time he's seen defenses try to do things to take it away. He, talk, he talked earlier in the season, actually, now that I think about it, um, that he was kind of expecting teams to do this eventually and do things to take away Sharif Cooper and, and defend him differently, but maybe he wasn't expecting the double team. So now he's kind of thrown for a loop a little bit. Um, I would expect him to adjust, maybe less uh, less shot creation for Sharif Cooper on his own, maybe more just you know, getting the ball out of his hands, getting back to him quickly before they're able to kind of reestablish a double team. Um, but it's something to watch. It's probably the number one thing to watch with this team right now on the offensive side of the ball is to see how they handle that moving forward.
1: Nathan, thanks for taking the time to join us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff.
3: Yeah, of course. Um, Auburnundercover.com is where you can find all of our staff's work. Obviously, getting to talk to Brian Harson today was great. This isn't something we normally got to do with Gus on. It's just kind of a random press conference with signing day still two weeks away. So that was a, a breath of fresh air, and we enjoyed it. If you want to go just look at my personal coverage and follow along with what I'm doing every day, um, you can go to at by Nathan King on Twitter.
1: Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good evening.
3: Yes, sir. Y'all have a
1: good one. That was Nathan King of Auburn Undercover joining us on the show today. You know, it it is the first time we've seen somebody defend Sharif Cooper that way. I said last segment, Bruce Burrell's seen it before in, in his history as a coach. How will Auburn respond? That'll be a big deal moving forward, especially with South Carolina on Saturday. More of online on the other side of this break.
0: On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7.
1: Last segment of our number one here on On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Find the show. Twitter at Point Gardner at levi fitzwater that's where you can find us call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 phone lines are open we want to say thank you again to nathan king of auburn undercover for joining us here in the first hour if you missed that conversation go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast and go and listen to that a lot of insightful commentary there by nathan on what happened at the press conference today for brian harson which has been in the large part of what we've talked about today also talked a little bit about auburn basketball here in this first hour but first before we get back into discussion about what auburn football had to say today at their press conference with brian harson we'll take a look at what's on tv tonight hey everybody it's noah gardner with what's on tonight cbs is running its sitcom lineup beginning at 7 with a new episode of young sheldon it's college orientation for the genius be positive is at 7 30 mom at 8 and the unicorn at 8 30 a movie pick for the night the 2018 remake of halloween is on fx at 6 in live sports tonight we have two nba games on tnt at 6 30 lebron james and the lakers face off with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the box following the game at nine it'll be the pelicans and the jazz college basketball starts in the big 10 with rutgers at penn state at six on big 10 network over on espn2 it'll be wichita state at memphis at 8 p.m we see some ranked teams under the picture indiana at number four iowa on fs1 number 24 ucla at cal on espnu and arizona at arizona state on espn i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net dot and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at RadioALSports. Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. dot Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, with you here in our last segment before we head to our number two. We got about six minutes to go through this here and. We haven't touched on this yet, personally, here on the show, but Nathan King touched on it a little bit. Mike Bobo will be the signal caller or the play caller that is for Auburn on the offensive side of the on the offensive side of the
2: football. It's 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 nice to know. It's nice to finally know. Like Nathan was but we saying, all assumed we assumed that. But it's nice to finally get it.
1: It is at least a confirmation,
2: confirmed. and now we can move forward and start to know what to expect know what to expect out of Mike Bobo and his offense that we have seen before
1: if you're Mike Bobo I don't know why you take the job if you don't get play calling duties
2: that is that's true that is true you you would expect that he's going to take that job under the assumption that he's coming in
1: with the stops he's been at with the experience that he has at the offensive coordinator position having had those duties before at prior locations Georgia Colorado State other places you know it, it would it just made sense He's a couple of years older than than Brian Harson not that that matters a whole lot but i think it's i think it is fascinating to me that Brian Harson you know he brought a lot of guys to do his staff that maybe were a lot older than him a lot more advanced in coaching experience than even he is and we've talked so much about how experienced Brian Harson is as a coach at least in terms of what Auburn has hired in the past he's the most experienced coach we've seen Auburn hire since even beyond Pat Dye, nobody else has brought in as much head coaching experience as as he has brought to the table with eight years of experience as a head coach. That's very valuable to me. But something that I think it also speaks to him is, I think he's okay with not being the smartest person in the room. Not saying that he's not, but I, I think he, if there were to be somebody that has more advanced knowledge than him in one area, I think he's o I, I think he's okay with with you know still learning things and and still, you know, it, it, there's not going to be an ego issue. And I know a lot of people in the previous coaching tenure maybe wanted to point out ego issues with this whole play-calling saga between Gus Malzahn and then insert failed offensive coordinator here.
2: You hit the, you hit the nail on the head right there. I was, that's exactly what I was about to say was there is no – it appears that there is no ego among this coaching staff. When you bring in a lot of guys with this, many, with this much experience, and I hate to do it, I know Auburn fans don't like it, it's kind of reminiscent of how Nick Saban has been building a lot of those Alabama staffs over the past few years. You have a lot of guys. It's not
1: a whole lot of flash in some of those hires. I mean, just, Of
2: course, recently on
1: offense there has been with Kiffin and Sarkeesian, but outside of that, no.
2: A lot of guys with experience. I mean, just recently Alabama brought in former Jags coach Doug Marone to be a line coach. And yeah. if you take from being a head coach in the NFL for the past how long, because was, he was with the Jags and the Bills for a while. He was a head coach of Syracuse before that. Now you're stepping into more of an assistant role. Hires like that mean a lot because it shows that there is a lack of ego, a lack of just sheer power, wanting to control everything. It really seems like Coach Harson wants to get better. He wants to surround himself with a lot of smart guys, a lot of guys with a lot of experience, kind of like Coach O did in not this past season, season four in the national championship year, where he had a lot of great staff around him, a lot of great assistants that knew a lot about the game and didn't put it all on head coach to be the smartest guy, the best guy, the most proficient guy. You just bring in a lot of guys who can learn, who can really teach everybody else about things. And that's one thing that's just really eye-opening about the staff. Again, after the previous tenure, like you just said, insert head, or insert offense coordinator here. You're missing a key word there. Failed
1: offensive coordinator here. Yes,
2: insert failed offensive coordinator here.
1: Not a single it, one. I don't think I can say a single one succeeded while they were at Auburn. Red Lashley got out from underneath this pressure and the weight of what was happening on the offensive side of the ball, and I think he's flourished. Not necess- I, still remains to be seen at Miami. I, I I think that that's a fair point to be made because look at the times that Miami played a good defense, they got shellacked. North Carolina, Clemson dominated, destroyed. They only scored twenty six against UNC. Only scored a you know, very, they they scored below ten I think on Clemson. I can't remember the exact score of that, a, but it was, was it, that was a knockout. That was a TKO first round. Yeah, of me feels like it was three. Yeah. Like it uh, for was some three. reason, I remember three. And so I, I mean, you know, he, he flourished at like SMU in Connecticut, sure, and it got him back to the Power Five. He's the one who has at least rebuilt his career to a degree. Okay. Chad Morris hasn't had the, uh, the opportunity yet. And, of course, Chip Lindsey, for some reason, got a head coaching job at Troy. We'll see. We'll see what happens there because Troy hasn't been that great the past couple of years.
2: They haven't been the same. They haven't been what Not what, not what Troy, Blakeney had them at. It. Yeah, not what Troy had – not what Troy was at. So
1: And even what Neil Brown had him at. Not yeah. what Blakeney and Brown did before. Chip Lindsey has not necessarily been that. And so,
2: yeah. It, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. I mean, they still have time. Chip Lindsey still has time to develop. But he was, he was also going in there feeling some big shoes. He was feeling some really good coaches that were before him at Troy. So
1: It just doesn't feel like it should be that hard to win at Troy – in the Sun Belt it's been their league for so long of course Arkansas State emerged for stints Louisiana Lafayette emerged for a time La Monroe Coast emerged Carolina, for a time Coastal Amer- Carolina America's driving. team well now it's now it's Carolina and Appalachian State in that in that league now that's just dominating and running through it even Georgia Southern's had an okay team Georgia State right na- right now it's being ruled at the top by Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State but for so many years, it was just a league made for Troy to be successful in, and Troy's the, Troy is in a position in in Alabama where they they can still get some good recruits that can help them out of the Sun Belt. I didn't mean for this to become a sunbelt a Sun conversation, but a lot
2: of people want to hear about Troy. It's a, I sure. think it's okay.
1: I don't know about that one. At least not. Call, not call not in and all, let us know. That's right. Call in. We got hour number two on the other side of this break. We'll continue to talk about Brian Harson's press conference. The hires being made Auburn basketball. Lots going on out there. We'll have Britt Bowen coming up in the second hour as well to talk to us on the phone. We'll be back. Don't go
0: anywhere. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are
1: on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Hour number two of the Thursday edition here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM. Find Levi at on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. It's pretty easy. No numbers, no, no underscores, no nothing. Just straight up, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater, Once again, the number to call to call into the show. Talk to us. Talk to us uh, about anything in the sports world. We want to hear from you. There's good football news, and we want your opinions on it. We want to converse with you about this. The number to call 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We open the show discussing this. Burt Watts named Auburn outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator this isn't T Will I don't think that this is a bad hire if T Will's name wasn't in the picture and he may have not have even been considered maybe he didn't want to return we don't know why T Will isn't back and we'll never know that at least at least I wouldn't expect to her find out that information if T Will had not been Auburn's linebackers coach up to this point had not done this well Maybe it's not even T. Will. Maybe it's just if somebody hadn't been in this position doing just an ops uh, an awesome job.
2: And I, been I, a fan favorite as well. Just the fans' love for him, it just makes it so much harder on a guy like you know Coach Watts to come in and really to fill that to fill
1: that role. That I mean, Deshaun Davis even tweeted today, like Will Smith shaking his head, like yep. man, and he even added Auburn football and that. It's like. Travis Williams was beloved and rightfully so to what he did to a room of linebackers that before he got there was not one of Auburn's best units. And I think you can easily say those linebackers year in and year out reload and are consistently one of Auburn's best units on their entire football team, even from a recruiting standpoint as well. But as I was going with this is if Travis Williams or someone like Travis Williams who was just doing an awesome job, wasn't in the picture. I still don't think that this would be viewed as a sexy hire, but it would be something along the lines of Cornelius Williams being hired at wide receiver's coach. Good resume from outside the SEC, no SEC experience, will it translate? That would be how we would be discussing this hire. And I think that's the way people need to view this hire. We all knew it wasn't gonna be Travis Williams.
2: When it wasn't at the beginning, we knew.
1: Once Carnell's name went and then there were a couple days after that where, where it wasn't announced. We all knew it wasn't going to be T-Will. It was just a matter of time to see who was going to take the spot. We all knew. I wasn't holding my breath on it. I, I, we knew. And so I think people need to view this hire from a different lens, not from, oh, it's not Travis Williams. They need to view it as, hey, this, this is kind of like all of the other hires. He's a culture fit. Will it translate? I understand being reserved on it. I'm reserved on it. I don't know if it's going to work out for a lot of the guys that Auburn hired onto this staff. Auburn brought in culture guys. Auburn's bringing in, or Harson's bringing in a completely different culture to Auburn. It was clear he wanted to clean house. Not in a hostile takeover way, but it was obvious that he's came in. He wanted to start brand new. Which makes it even more interesting that Carnell Williams was the one that was retained, and I think I, I it's think, even I think more we, I about think we a certain know. running back. I think
2: we might know a certain running back that was recruited heavily by Carnell Williams wanted to play for Carnell Williams, probably. I think that I, I think that seems to be a little bit more in line with why one coach was retained from that previous staff,
1: and none of the others were either and now we don't know all of the other coaches not being retained it could be for different reasons for some of them I mean some of them, might not, some of them
2: might not have wanted to I mean some of them might have been asked to come back some of them might not have had any and indication and none of that's a bad thing none of it's a bad thing if they didn't want to come back it's it's fine the fact that they didn't want some of these coaches back is fine I like the idea of just coming in cleaning house putting a stamp on what you want this program to be I just don't think Harson's afraid. I don't think that man is scared of anything. He comes in, clean south, brings in a lot of guys with not a lot of power five experience and just says, hey, we're going to come in here. We're going to play hard. We're going to come in here with this tough nose mentality. We're going to come in with West Coast recruiting ties, Southeastern recruiting ties, and we're going to do it this way, and we're going to win this way is the way that he seems to view everything.
1: And like I said, it's not in a hostile takeover kind of way. This no. is the right philosophy to take when you're coming into Auburn and you're saying we've got to do something different first of all hiring Brian Harson in itself different. hiring Alan Green in itself as different. athletic director has been different in anything Auburn has seen up to this point and so it's only been a matter of time before you really start to see things change and I think this change is going to be a good thing for Auburn because it's obvious something has to change the culture has to change something has to change about this team to get it over the hump Gus Malzahn did a great job of elevating the program to a point where now Auburn can attack on the national stage they can at least strike but they needed a new guy to take them there and Brian Harsin needed a clean house there didn't need to be any vestiges of the old way there needed to be all new and of course Carnell Williams may be a vestige of the old way not in a bad way once again they've at least kept one but it makes sense that they have decided to go in a completely different direction, not necessarily just for change itself, but for the purpose of these are my guys. There is no question about the old, the old way versus new way. It is this way, the Auburn way, and it may be a different Auburn way moving forward than what we're accustomed to, but it is, it, it is going to be a specific brand of coaching and football that we're going to get to see Auburn install and that's exciting for me. That's, that's very exciting. For the first time, I think, in a long time, maybe even ever, we're seeing, or at least in modern day, I'll say since 2000, we're seeing Auburn branch away in ways that we've never seen them do it before. And that, that, is, that is exciting in itself because it could take this program to unprecedented heights. It could take this – Auburn could stay where they're at. Auburn could fall. It's hard to know if some of these hires are going to work out because a lot of them don't have those southeastern experience will it translate and this is another one of those that i think people should view just the same way that we view cornelius williams looks good on paper with resume but of course it, it may not be some of the high profile southeastern guys that maybe we're accustomed to seeing around the league
2: i think just be excited until you're proven like until you're given a reason not to be excited this is a it's exciting because this is a new era this is something different you hit it right on the head this is something that it hasn't been done in a while that you've seen Auburn branch out. I think the like one of the ones I think of a lot is when Coach Tuberville ended up bringing in a spread offense at the end of his tenure, and that was just to me at the time. I think I think that was around two thousand eight, if I'm not mistaken. Tony Franklin. Yeah, bringing Tony Franklin in, bringing oh. the spread offense. Yeah, it didn't. It did not work out. Blech. But it was one of those. It was one of those moves that they brought the spread in, and then. Coach Shizik comes in, and you have a little bit more spread offense with Coach on and it's been pretty much the same spread offense. We're going to be fast. We're going to be up-tempo. We're going to be quick speed. We're going to be deceiving. It's going to be shiftiness. It's not going to be power. And now it's something different. Now we get to watch a new era get brought in, and it's it's fun. Like It's, it's really interesting to see what's moving forward. I'm going to equate this to... The way I've been viewing the Saints, I have the Saints and Auburn that I'm highly you know watching all the time. they 're my two favorite football teams, and both of them are going through a complete transition period and Good luck with that, my man oh it's going to be Good a luck mi- it's that. going to be a miserable four years for Saints, but you have to stay excited and think, man, this is going to be something different it's something that i haven't watched before, something new you're not going out there thinking, all right, well, this is the same game that ex-coach or ex-player has every single time around this year it's, that is so
1: true like you knew the script going into like every single football game it was it's like, like it's
2: like he you know oh, we're playing georgia they all uh, kind of seem to run
1: together mentally it's like
2: w- which game do we only score 16 points against georgia <laughs> I said, which like oh we're playing in athens wonder what's gonna happen here it's just it seemed to blend in and we talked about this very lightly at the beginning of the week about the predictability of offense. It's going to be nice, at least for the first few games. Think about this. He, he may be still it, a predictable coach, but at least it's going to be different for a little bit. Yeah, it, it could be predictable <laughs> throughout, but you're not going to be sitting on your couch at least the first game going, oh, we're going to run bubble There's, screen here. We're going to run this zone read here. That's exactly what I was about to say. So, ooh, bubble screen, right? Yep. It's like I've seen that before. At least, you, at be least the, you get new of that for a, for a little bit.
1: It would be the ultimate troll move if the first offensive play called in 2021 was a bubble screen. I think it The should, ultimate troll move. I think it move. should be. I, I think, think it, it should be. I'm here too. for it.
2: Do it. Please. If
1: anything, for, for, the fact, for the fact that it would be unexpected. I don't think defenses <laughs> would be expecting it because they're like, they can't possibly be doing the same thing that they've been doing, right?
2: Fans <laughs> would be ready to fire this, the entire coaching staff immediately if they came out and ran a bubble screen and it didn't work if, if it comes out and works they'd be okay but if it comes out does not work they're going to be upset so today's twitter poll is not going to be a poll
1: on the espn 1067 account during the break i'll get it up at espn 1067 will be where you go and look so so check back in about 10 minutes or so at espn 1067 the on the line poll will be a comment we want you to comment on it Instead of selecting an answer, because it, it could be anything. What is the first offensive play that you want Auburn to call in 2021 under new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, who is calling the plays? That was announced today at Brian Harson's press conference. I think that can only mean good things. Mike Bobo is a very capable offensive coordinator in the Southeast. I just think that the word we've used to describe him is people have became fatigued with with Mike Bobo over the last several years, but the last time we saw him as an offensive coordinator for a substantial period in the in the SEC was at Georgia and he, and he was a hot name, a hot ticket at the time. Now we'll see if his offense has adjusted with the times or if he's still very if he's still, you know, if he's still pro style to, 2012, you he, know, which he used is, a lot of
2: he used a lot of screen games at Colorado State just for the fans out there that you want to know. Them.
1: So speaking of guys who who probably like who probably like bubble screens Cody Burns has a landing spot now. He'll be going to be wide receivers coach at UCF.
2: Former national champions.
1: Don't start that on this show. Now that's trolling. I know what you're doing there. We are not. That is not allowed. He's going to be wide receivers coach at UCF. And when we've briefly spoken about Cody Burns and where he can go after this, I said it would be good. And I can't remember if it was this week or the last, but I said it would be good for Cody Burns if he got out from underneath Got into a different system. I think Cody Burns is a. I, th- I think he did. I think he did well as wide receivers coach. I think he did about as well as anybody could have done with Auburn's wide receivers, considering how they were used. Which is not his fault. It, it is whoever's calling the plays. It's whoever's creating the scheme, and it wasn't Cody Burns. It was. It was Gus. It was Dillingham. It was Lindsey. It was Lashley. It was. It was all of those people. It was not. Cody Burns, at least that's not the way that I'm perceiving it. Now, of course, you would you would have loved to have seen his receivers get more separation. Sure, that that can be an honest critique uh, is the route running ability, but it, the routes that they ran, not his fault. How they were used, not his fault. A lot of them could catch. I mean, Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz, both of those guys developed over their time at Auburn. We saw receivers get better under his tutelage. He put Darius Slayton in the NFL, and he's doing well with the with the New York Giants. I wish Cody Burns nothing but the 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 most success possible and I think he is going to the right university to accentuate his skills not only will he be under head coach Josh Heupel, who when he was at Missouri offensive coordinator offensive mind he he has had the benefit of having quarterbacks like McKenzie Milton at UCF but UCF is very capable of passing the ball around the yard and that is going to accentuate his skills as a wide receivers coach. I would not be shocked if this is a brief stint outside the SEC or outside of the Power Five for just a little bit for then for him to do very well at UCF and then return back to some power conference school, whether it's in the SEC or, or, or somewhere else. I think this is a really great landing spot for Cody Burns. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. We're about 15
0: minutes away from talking to Britt Bowen. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
1: Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the line on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You can call in, talk to us about what you like Ryan Harson had his press conference today. I'm sure you've seen some bits and pieces of it. If you're just now joining us, we want to hear from you about your thoughts on the most recent hire or in anything sports-related. Call in. Once again, number to call 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. A direction I want to take our conversation now. We briefly mentioned Cornelius Williams throughout the today's show but also his hiring taking place over the weekend at wide receivers coach this entire coaching staff has now at least the on-field coaching staff is now complete for brian harson three auburn wide receivers are taking off for the nfl draft seth williams anthony schwartz eli stove it's the end of an era of the best receiving core we've seen at auburn as far as talent is concerned since 2010 i would say easily and then before that the 2004 through 2006 receiving core—I would really say 04 and 05 receiving cores. Those were, as the as the kids would say, lit. Those receiving cores were on fire. Roma Shadou, Ben Obamanu, Courtney Taylor. Can't believe I said Courtney Taylor last there. The other two were great as well. That 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 group was loaded. Talk about guys that all at least found a way into the NFL. And the big question is, will this receiving core all find their way into the NFL? Which Auburn wide receiver this season, though, this upcoming year, 2021, will step up to replace this talented trio? Who is going to have the best year at wide receiver next year for Auburn? Who do you think is going to take a, a big step forward? And all of them are taking a big step forward just by playing more because there was a log jam at the top of that, at the top of that receiving core.
2: They're all, they're all going to have to step up. They're all going to have to be asked to do a lot more than they have been. But who is going to be the most impactful out of that group? I think it comes down to two guys, in my opinion. I really think Elijah Canyon, who we saw had the breakout game in the bowl game. I think that's going to weigh a lot for Auburn. And I think Shedrick Jackson's going to have to step up a little bit as well. I just think those are two guys that, if I'm looking at, really want to really have the potential to make the leap. Guys who have had a little bit of playing time, guys who are... Going to be a little bit familiar with Bo Nix. I think these guys are going to probably need to step up. I like Canyon's potential, four guy. Like, I really enjoy watching him and what he looks like from just looking at him as a football player. Like, just looking at the guy, he looks like a beast at wide receiver. And I think this year, without that, as you said, logjam at the top of that receiving chart, I think he can come in, and I think he can really... I think he can be the most impactful. I think he can take over as the number one, and I think I think he can come in and look good. And I think Shedra Jackson can be a good two for that as well.
1: I'm going to be very careful to not be deceived by the bowl performance from Canyon. Not going to say that he won't. I'm not going to say that he won't do everything that you're saying.
2: I'm I'm being deceived by the build. Like I, the sure. performance in the bowl is really good and it showed a lot. But I'm more interested. I like the build of. it. I like the six four, the two fifteen ish. I like that. Same
1: thing can be said about. J.J. J. Evans and Shedrick Jackson there are other big receivers in this court J.J. J. Evans is someone that I'm shocked that we haven't seen anything about I've seen him play in high school big bodied receiver can do a lot he can do a lot especially out on the outside I've seen him do I, I saw him have a 99 yard touchdown reception against Lincoln High School when it was Montevallo and Lincoln in the last game of regular season two years ago or I guess football season ago after prior to this year of course and he went 99 yards it was just a just lob down the sideline for him and he went up mossed over a defensive back and took it all the way but you know some guys just look better in high school and it just doesn't quite translate for some some guys just had it you know maybe a little bit too easy in high school not saying that that's the case for J.J. Evans for but for one reason or another guys sometimes just don't pan out briefly touching on Shedrick Jackson and the point that you made about him Shed Jackson has only primarily been used as a run blocker. And he's Auburn's best run-blocking wide receiver, and he's one of the better run-blocking wide receivers that I've seen at Auburn over the last couple of years during the Gus Malzahn tenure. The pass catching hasn't quite gotten there yet. And everything that was built about this guy coming out of high school was that he's a bona fide college receiver, that it's his body, he's ready. This guy's ready. His development has taken a long time, and I want that's another... It's another thing, you, you just don't know a whole lot about these receivers because of how they were used. Like, was Shedrick Jackson actually given a, a chance? A, a, right. Was he given a chance to get on the field and do anything? To, to accentuate his skills out there because the offense was built for the other three receivers, not Shedrick Jackson. And so maybe, maybe he'll be somebody that steps up. I think, without a doubt, just in my mind, the guy that I'm choosing above any of the others, Kobe Hudson's going to take a huge step forward next year. Kobe Hudson I think could be the primary target of this receiving group he's probably of all these guys that we hardly know anything about that that anybody hardly knows anything about Kobe Hudson is probably if I had to guess he's my pick right now to be the primary target next year for Bo Nix stepping out there into 2021 I don't see Canyon I don't see Capers especially after his offseason is going to be spent recovering from an injury Shed Jackson, to this point, although he's the, most, uh, you know, he's the most experienced receiver in this group, he could be another option. I think you're looking at Shedra Jackson and Capers as, as secondary options, possibly Canyon as a tertiary option, but the primary option will be Kobe Hudson, and he looks like he fits exactly into the type of wide receiver that, that really fits this scheme.
2: Uh, and That's a good point as well. I mean, he's, he's a guy, Kobe Hudson, when he was coming out of high school, they're already kind of projecting him with NFL upside, with NFL talent. Obviously, it was projected around a later pick in terms of as he was coming out of high school. But he has a chance to step up as well. He's got the size. He fits the scheme with what you want to do. So Kobe Hudson's a guy who you know played at Troop, relatively local around here. What, about 35 minutes down the road if you want to go up 85? That's Georgia. Yeah, it's very close. Almost a hometown kid, same place that Quan Bray went to high school, if anybody's – any Quan Bray fans out there. I think Ryan Bliss went to high school there yeah. really too. Yeah, true. Pretty local product. I mean, even closer for me, it's about 20 minutes down the road from where I live. So, yeah, again, he could do something. I really like Kobe Hudson as a prospect too, just to kind of go off of your point. I think he's built and physically what he's done it, or what he did at high school level. I think that's a guy that could really step up and make an impact as well. But it's hard. It's hard to look at this team and figure out which one of these guys is going to step up on the sheer fact that we haven't seen a lot out of hardly any of these guys. And what we have seen out of a few of them was either, like you said, with Shedrick Jackson being primarily used as a run blocker. okay, And then what we saw with Canyon was in a one-game sample size, which in a bowl game where anybody could do something like that. So again, it's going to be so hard to... To figure out who it is but someone's gonna have to step up and i think they have players who can biggest question is who is it going to be
1: also are we talking about elijah
2: canyon if he doesn't score that touchdown again i think you're not talking about him as much i do again i like he would have only had two catches yeah i like his i just like his size like his ability and his size and what he can bring to the table again you i like i'm kind of old school where i like a big six four receiver to throw to and I can see that, but again, you That's do That's what have. this offense is going to use. So I think he can fit that pretty well, but to answer your question, no, nobody is really talking about him if he doesn't have that performance against Northwestern. I think
1: Auburn cares more about not necessarily the size of wide receiver, but more shorthandedness, route running ability, and the ability to play in traffic across the middle of the field. That's how this offense is going to be built upon. It's not as much now about their wide receivers being able to stretch the field vertically with fly routes and can can you run super fast down the field faster than everybody else. Now that's nice to always have that receiver on your roster. And there will be guys that
2: come in that have that do that role. There will be guys that do that. I'm sure it's not just not as many as they have had. Exactly. It's that's not going to be a thing.
1: Auburn's offense has been so predicated on verticality, on deep shots and then stretching the field horizontally, but they never quite got the guy, and they primarily did it horizontally, and they never got the right guys in to be able to do that horizontally. They had the right guys vertically, for some reason, just never were able to get that connect. A lot of overthrows there for whatever reason, just timing and rhythm was never down, but they've always missed the ability to play in traffic, the ability to have stuff in between the hashes, the ability to do stuff in the middle of the field. That's something that I, I think Auburn's investing a lot into in their passing game right now. They've got the receivers on the depth chart. At least they've got the bodies, and they've they've had a great recruiting class at wide receiver. You know, at least if you put them all together and say this is what Auburn's recruited the last three years, it's a good class. It's a good class that's still on campus for Auburn. That that Auburn has talent to work with. That other teams are like, yeah, we would take that for sure. That they would love to have that on their rosters. There's stuff to work with. They've got a they've got a wide receivers coach that knows a little bit about pass game coordination. From what he's done at Troy, he's had all sunbelt selections at wide receiver. Brian Harson, Mike Bobo, they both bring a hefty amount of knowledge to the quarterback position. Auburn's investing big time right now into their passing game. And so I, I like a lot of what we're seeing in th- with that trend, and I think the receivers have a lot to gain from that. And Kobe Hudson's going to be my pick, and then yours is Canyon as well. That's a good group. Brian Harson had his press conference today announcing the higher – of Burt Watts and outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator. We also found out that Mike Bobo will be the primary uh will be the primary play caller. He will be the play caller, but I say primary jokingly because Coach Harson said he'll call the touchdowns and Bobo's got all the other stuff. Which is which is still kind of true though because let's play? just be real the, the the head coach is going to get the is going to get the praise. But when stuff's going bad, especially when a new coach comes in. If stuff's going bad, the coordinators are always the scapegoats. They're always the first ones to go, right?
2: Yeah, that's a heady play on Harson. A heady play. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna take credit for all the good stuff. Uh, He's joking. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd stick to that. I tell him every if anybody questions a play call that's not a touchdown, in a press conference, I just say, Hey, I didn't call that play. And if they say it was, oh, it was my Bobo, and if they start talking to Bobo about a touchdown, I'd be like, Hey, 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 hey I, I called that. Remember, I do the touchdowns. He does everything else. That's me.
1: Other interesting news out there for Auburn football, Demetrius Davis won won an award. That'll be something to talk about later on the show. We'll continue Auburn basketball talk as well, but on the other side of this break, we got Britt Bowen, play-by-play announcer for Auburn women's basketball, joining us on the show.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're
1: on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Number to call 334-321-1390. you toll free at 888-382-7502. But joining us on the line now is Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer Britt Bowen on the line with us. Britt, how you doing today, my man?
4: Hey, guys. Doing well. It's game day. Just happy to be back in Auburn Arena.
1: That's right. It's game day, and it's been, it's been a little while. Has that been weird for you? And also, your thoughts on that for the program, to have missed some time here after dealing with some COVID-19-related issues.
4: Yeah, it's unfortunate. and um, it, It's really unfortunate for the student-athletes and the coaches because, gosh, you put in so much time and effort and so much hard work and you, you, you come back and just boom, within a, within a day you can have it taken away from you. you know, so, so that's challenging and, and not to mention you know, when you're trying to find a groove and trying to find a rhythm with, with a young team that's learning how to play in the SEC – it's even more challenging because, I mean, you look at what they had to go through on Sunday. They flew down to Gainesville day of the game with eight scholarship players, nine total, and uh, had some great looks early in the game and uh, just just had a lid on the basket. They, they, they couldn't hit, um, and it was evident that, that limited, limited practice time had an effect on them on Sunday. So um, tonight, um, I mean, they're going to have their hands full tonight with Kentucky, but the main thing I, I'm hoping for for Auburn that they can just somehow get into some back in some kind of a rhythm, some kind of a routine to 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 build some continuity with their starting lineup because you know, you look at the you look at their their stretch to come, they have an extremely tough schedule in in over the next 3 weeks. I mean, that they have four games against top 25 opponents and uh the the one one game that's not is on the road at Alabama on Sunday and Alabama's having one of their best seasons in in program history. So um, that this team, again, they, 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 just need, they just need a chance to play together and, and have everybody back healthy. Uh, to, to kind of put things into perspective, Auburn has not played a single game this season where they have had everybody on the roster available to play that came into the season eligible. Um, they, they had Ty White missing the first few games of the season, and then when she was finally able to come back, players were out due to COVID and then injuries happened and then it's just been a snowball effect ever since.
1: Auburn against 12th ranked Kentucky tonight. Tigers come into it on on a five-game skid trying to break that losing streak. What what does Auburn have to do well tonight to to break that losing streak?
4: Number one, they've got to take care of the basketball because Kentucky is very good at turning live ball turnovers into points. I mean, they, they score in bunches and Um, You don't know if Kentucky is going to have Ryan Howard or not. Of course, she's the uh, reigning uh, national player of the year and uh, SEC freshman of the year two years ago. Um, And Kentucky, despite her, even if she's out, Kentucky has weapons and one of the best point guards in the league and Cassidy Patterson. She's averaging uh, just over three steals a game. And she has 51 steals on the, on the season, which leads the SEC. So Auburn first and foremost has to take care of the basketball And they've got to get open looks and score. When they have the opportunity to score, they have to put the ball in the basket because, you know, they could have beat Florida last week uh, easily despite only having nine players. Auburn missed several shots underneath the baskets. And and I mean easy putbacks. I mean, Auburn had 20 offensive rebounds last week and only two second-chance points. You're not going to win SEC basketball games in doing that. So if they can do those two things tonight, they will put themselves in a position to win because, look – Kentucky, Kentucky's going to score. They, they they score against everybody. They have the weapons, but can Auburn capitalize on on, on Kentucky's opportunities that they give them? That that's what's going to be key.
2: What do you think the realistic expectation is for the rest of the season for this women's basketball team of Auburn?
4: That's a tough one, I mean, because there's so much unknown right now in in regards to who's even going to be available and what the schedule is going to look like. You still don't know if the the Missouri game is even going to be rescheduled. Um, You you certainly hope that no other players uh, test negative, not just for Auburn, but for any team. But uh, realistic expectation for Auburn, you've got to find a way to to beat somebody that that you're not supposed to beat, because I, I think if with a Vanderbilt game taken off the schedule right now on paper, Auburn's probably not going to be favored to win a, a, another game in, in league play if you if you had to pick games today. So Auburn, they have got to find a way to, 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 to get that rhythm back with their starting lineup, you know, because that's another thing. With all these kids being out, you know, they, they've lost their rhythm. They, they're, they're no longer really playing in sync. I thought they looked decent on Sunday despite only having nine players. So tonight, if they can put out that same starting lineup and get a couple more players back off the bench, they can start to build some rhythm and some continuity and and, and get some chemistry back uh, on the floor because they're going to need that with with the stretch that they had to come. But um, for Auburn, uh, expectations moving forward, they've got to get it together. And again, string together a win or two against somebody that they're, they're on paper, they're probably not supposed to beat. And look, you, you play Alabama twice, you, you still play Georgia, um, uh, Mississippi State, and Arkansas twice down the stretch. So um, Auburn's going to have some opportunities. And, and look, it starts tonight against Kentucky. Kentucky, look, Kentucky's a good basketball team, and they are. They are a beatable team when they don't have Ryan Howard, for sure. Now, when they have Ryan H- Howard, they are, they are especially tough to beat. Howard, of course, did not play Sunday against Vanderbilt. But even if she doesn't play, Kentucky still has depth. They, they are deep on the bench. They have players that can step in and fill that void. So um, Auburn's going to have to be ready. And, again, they've got to find a way to overcome this adversity because right now just – I mean, just with everything they've gone through and – and the the games that 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 they should have won in the league. I mean, they should have beat Ole Miss and L S U and, and who knows, maybe even Florida if if, if if the circumstances were different and you don't know about Missouri and unfortunately they didn't have unique Thompson and and a couple other players were out. So Auburn's still without a win in league play, but you can't worry about that now. You've got to find a way to bounce back and, and beat the odds.
1: Speaking with Auburn women's basketball play by play announcer Britt Bowen. Britt I'm going to throw you a curveball here, and this is indeed a, a play on words here. We're, we got to be only about a month, month and a half away from from softball season. I know that's a program that you're that you're pretty close to, and that you that you call games for as well. What's the latest going on a, a, as we creep closer to spring season?
4: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you asked about that, man. Just, right now, it's just everybody's waiting on the schedule first and foremost in non-conference play. I think the schedule got torn apart because of. Um, all the all the big non-conference tournaments that happen out on the west coast and down in Florida, I, I don't think any of those are happening this year. So I think teams all across the country are trying to build non-conference schedules. So I, I expect Auburn to have a have, have a decent amount of home games in February. Again, th- this is not confirmed. This is just solely my anticipation. Uh, but I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team is going to accomplish because coach Dean, I mean, he, he, he's added pitching depth this year. The roster is stacked. I was counting players on the roster uh, the other day. And I think they have, uh, they, the numbers are like a baseball size roster because you have the seniors coming back from last year who were given another year. And then in addition to the freshman class this year, so there's going to be a lot of players. I, I I have no idea what the lineup is going to look like. Um, I haven't had a chance to go out and, and watch practice yet, but um, there, there's a lot of upside for this team because, uh, you know, Coach Dean, this is his fourth season at Auburn, and uh, which is a good thing. You know, like, yeah, I mean, he had to take over a program that was battling a lot of adversity when he came here four years ago. So, you know, for him to be in his fourth year and him to start to get some recruiting classes in, I, I think you're only going to see things go up from here for, for Auburn
1: softball. Before we let you get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on some of the stuff that developed with Auburn football. I would assume that you've seen today, I know I know you're hard at work, but I would assume you've seen today the most recent hire on Auburn's football staff, closing it out, having all 10 on-the-field coaches, Burt Watts being named outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator, looking at this from a 1,000 feet above. What do you think about the entire staff that's been put together?
4: Yeah, just excited about it, you know, and then and I know like. Every- Everybody has their opinions on who they want on the staff, and and and, and honestly, like you know, Coach Harson, he was brought in to 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 lead this program, and 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 just from from, from my seat, I'm excited that he has the guys that he feels confident in, in moving Auburn's football program with. And you know, you, you look at the staff top top to bottom, there, there's just not a whole lot of weaknesses there. So um, he's confident. You know, like I, I saw quotes today about. Uh, Zach Etheridge is speaking to the team for the first time and and just how much he cares for the program you know like so I think this staff is going to have um, some really good chemistry with this football team once they get in and and, and have time to build those relationships and build that chemistry because that's what it's all about and not to mention too um, you know I'm interested to see what this staff can do recruiting because we all know in the SEC that, that that's the name of the game but um, well coach Harson, again he, he's confident in him and, and for me that that's good enough for me because he he was brought in to do that job and put together this staff and now it's our job to get behind them and and, and give them support for the 2021 season.
1: Brett, thanks for taking the time to join us today on the show uh looking forward to looking forward to tonight's call and uh, good luck tonight.
4: hey guys appreciate it and uh, looking forward to being back on next week war Eagle
1: see Brett war eagle to you as well that was Brett Bowen. Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer joining us on the show today. Tigers in action against the Kentucky Wildcats who come to this ballgame 12th in the country. Auburn hosted them on their home floor, 7.30 p.m. SEC Network tonight. Big thank you again to Britt Bowen. We'll be back to wrap up the show on the other side of this break. Only 15 minutes until the drive with Bill Cameron.
0: On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN
1: 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you. Wrapping up the show today, find us on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Another thank you out there to Britt Bowen, Auburn women's basketball play-by-play announcer, joining us on the show for our previous segment if you want to go and find that conversation that we just had with him touched on Auburn women's basketball's game tonight against Kentucky also got into a little bit of a softball conversation as well he also happens to do a lot of play-by-play for the for the softball team also so that's something to to, to talk about there with him as we creep towards the spring seasons that we're only you know it feels like a month and a half away from and then I also got his thoughts on the most recent hires for Auburn football as well. If you ever miss a show, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We're 12 minutes away from The Drive with Bill Cameron, following us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Four hours of local sports talk radio here on both of those stations every weekday. And then on Saturdays for us, we've got our encore show. That's a best-up show that goes from 8 to 9.00 a.m. on ESPN 106.7 and from 10 to 11 on Fox Sports Central Alabama that takes place on Saturdays before we get into the nitty-gritty of our last segment let's get into what's on TV tonight Hey everybody! It's Noah Gardner with what's on tonight. CBS is running its sitcom lineup beginning at seven with a new episode of Young Sheldon. It's college orientation for the genius. Be Positive is at 7:30. Mom at eight, and The Unicorn at 8:30. A movie pick for the night: the 2018 remake of Halloween is on FX at six. In live sports tonight, we have two NBA games on TNT at 6:30. LeBron James and the Lakers face off with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. Following the game at nine it'll be the pelicans and the jazz college basketball starts in the big 10 with rutgers at penn state at six on big 10 network over on espn2 it'll be wichita state at memphis at 8 p.m we see some ranked teams under the picture indiana at number four iowa on fs1 number 24 ucla at cal on espnu and arizona at arizona state on espn i'm noah gardner and that's what's on tv tonight Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports on the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Wrapping up the show today on something that we teased about earlier, Demetrius Davis won an award out of Houston. He won Offensive Player of the Year given to him by the Touchdown Club of Houston, The four star quarterback signee for Auburn is collecting some hardware before he steps onto the planes.
2: He's also, you know, captured a couple of uh, titles, a couple of state championships while he was in there as well. So, a lot of hardwood, very decorated, coming in. Hardware. (laughs) Hardware. Did I say hardwood? (laughs) You did. (laughs) It's basketball season. It's basketball season. I got it on the brain, okay? Yeah. All the euphemisms. A lot of hardware coming into Auburn. And so, what are, are we sold that? He's not going to compete for a starting start job this year. Is that a know. thing? Are we sold that that's not going to be a thing?
1: Well, he's definitely not competing for it this year. You, you meant down the line. Yes.
2: When he comes, when he gets Stockton to, yes.
1: comes to Auburn, Demetrius Davis, I don't think will end up starting at Auburn at any point. Not to say that it doesn't go his his full four years. Maybe there's a position change in there. I don't know. But if, if Gunner Stockton commits to Auburn, obviously Gunnar Stockton is higher-ranked quarterback recruit right now, but I also think it's going to fit the scheme better at Auburn for what Bobo is trying to do. Bobo's recruiting this guy. Stockton is Bobo's guy. Demetrius Davis wasn't, and I think that plays into it a lot. So I have questions right now if Demetrius Davis will ever take a snap. I shouldn't say ever take a snap. I should just say will ever start at quarterback for Auburn. Will ever take a starter snap at quarterback for Auburn in his career could go the whole way at Auburn, could stick around, or could you know, go the transfer route. But he was somebody that I was actually really shocked to decide to, to ink his national letter of intent while there was no head coach at Auburn. Because you have no idea, no earthly idea whatsoever what that offensive scheme is going to be like in the future. Not to say that a dual-threat quarterback couldn't work, but it's not the prototypical player that you see in a Mike Bobo offense, you see a pass first guy.
2: He was committed. I mean, he was committed to Auburn. He, is, he, he was sold on Auburn. So, but so was Joey Gatewood. And look how that happened. Yep. I mean, it's it's hard. I agree with you. It is. If Gunnar Stockton does end up coming to Auburn, I don't think there's a chance that Matrius I, Davis I won't takes a snap. Don't.
1: I wouldn't say there's no chance because he sticks around as a backup. You know things happen injuries there's a
2: very slim chance that he becomes a starting quarterback at auburn sure. if Gunnar stockton enters the program just simply on the fact not of, for multiple years it's just simple on the fact that gunner stockton is bobo's guy he fits what they want to do it's it's not we're not trying to just say that looking at it right now i can 100 percent guarantee you that this guy is better than this guy it's just again who fits a little bit better? Who fits better? Gunnar Stockton. That's a Bobo guy. He fits what the system is. And, again, talent matching that coming out of high school. So it's going to be hard. And that's it's that feels unfair to say about Demetrius Davis, who is an uber-talented, super-decorated athlete coming out of high school. So it does feel – it feels unfair to him to say that. It's just, again, more of a scheme fit than anything issue with that. And, I mean – Guy reminds you a lot of De'Ara King if you've ever watched highlights of the two of them. That's There will be an A-Day someday that
1: we'll get to see Demetrius Davis throw the football, and then we'll know more, you know?
2: Yeah, it'd be uh...
1: There will be an A-Day one day down the line that we'll see him get to throw the football, but for, for this year's, I mean, you're just not going to know. You're not going to know about it. Just plain and simple. And Bo Nix is going to be the guy for probably the next two years, possibly even three if he wanted to, because this year's eligibility doesn't matter. And so he, he could be back for, for years now, you know, and, and Bo Nix could carve out one of the best legacies that an Auburn quarterback has ever carved out if, if it builds up to that point. Think about the records, though, that he'll be able to hold at the end of the year just by virtue of being here for five years. Compiler. You, you snicker right now, but like. No, I'm just
2: snickering because it's, it's a compiler, just being a compiler. What does that mean? Just the guy that's been, you know, like Brett Favre, he was just in the league for so long that he just a compiler. A lot like Dan Marino was in there for a while, didn't do anything.
1: Oh my goodness gracious. I
2: mean, these just, just guys that stay around too. Tom Brady, they oh stay around so no. long and just compile a lot of stats. I mean, Bo Niz could do that too if he wants to. I, I
1: thought you were being serious when you said Brett Favre, but then I, I knew you were not telling the truth when you said Dan Marino. What's, Some people, and I love Brett Favre, and Brett Favre is an excellent quarterback, but he did overstay his welcome in the NFL. But Dan Marino, Tom Brady, I know you're being outrageous well, right now. To be
2: fair, Brett Favre and Tom, uh, and Tom Brady did so much more than Dan Marino ever did. I mean, what's that guy done? That's how many, rings, how many rings does Dan Marino have? I yeah. mean, he's done nothing, nothing, waste of a career.
1: No, now you've taken it too far. Dan Marino is a top 10 quarterback
2: all time. Not in, not in terms of rings.
1: Not in ring land, sure, but, but doesn't— That's uh, all that matters. Uh, doesn't trent dilfer have a ring so by your logic is trent dilfer a better quarterback than dan marino yep no (laughs) more rings show (laughs) me the show me the rings to think of other outrageously you know just average quarterbacks that have
2: rings Uh, that have won what was it brad brad johnson i think brad johnson won one
1: that sounds like a generic name
2: i'm pretty sure it's brad johnson that is such a generic i'm pretty sure he was the bucks quarterback when they won
1: Joe Flacco has a ring. Is Joe Flacco a better quarterback than Dan Marino? Elite. Oh, my. <laughs> Joe, I mean, For, Joe, You know, that was really the conversation. That was the question, that was a, question For a while back. A few ago. Years ago. Is Joe Flacco elite? It's like, what? I didn't agree with that back then, but of course he had a, you know, he had a sexy playoff record, but now look at us. you know on Madden he's like 58 overall overall now how
2: I didn't realize it was that bad
1: at least after one year in the league like going into year two he was down as low as 58 overall and I was like oh how the mighty
2: have fallen that's just that is tough right there that's 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 a lot I mean you would think that that ring he won would carry more carry more weight on his Madden record you know so
1: (laughs) maybe it's a little too heavy I don't don't know (laughs) But yeah he's like 58 overall it's scary It's scary. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater back with you tomorrow to wrap up the day. Following us here, The Drive with Bill Cameron. We'll see you tomorrow everybody. You know where to find us.